Hello, and welcome to Love, Food, Hate, Money, the podcast where we talk about how much we love food and we prove it by spending all of our money on it. I am one of your hosts, Courtney, and you'll notice that it's different this week because Jonah didn't do the intro. Uh, He is currently at work, but I wanted to make sure that we still had something for you guys this week. Um, So yeah, if you saw our TikTok this week, I made a video of... um, about the amount of wine bottles we have in our house right now. Um, Jonah had volunteered at an event and they sent him home with some wine. And at last count, we had 34 bottles of wine in our house and about 30 of them were open. Um, So I just picked one randomly. I don't know anything about the wine other than what's on the bottle, but it is a 2019 Graciano from Wilcox, Arizona from the Salvatore Vineyards, uh, Domenico Family Wines. I am not familiar with the Graciano, but it is a red wine, which we all know that I can tell the difference between. And I really like it. It's um, like blueberry and like floral. But anyways, I poured myself a glass. I figured that would be kind of fun Um, because I want to talk about something that's really personal to me. Um, If you've listened to the show before, you know that I used to cook professionally in restaurants. If this is your first time, hi, welcome. I went to culinary school for four years. Uh, I did a two-year culinary program in high school and then went and won a scholarship to do two more years at the Art Institute of Phoenix. Um, in high school, I worked in fine dining. I, During college, I worked as a private chef. I volunteered at a bunch of different um, big catering opportunities, a lot of events. Um, so I have a very varied background in cooking, but I don't do it anymore. And that's what I want to talk about today, because I get asked this question a lot of, why don't you cook anymore? When are you going to open a restaurant? When are you going to cook again? And I don't think people realize how hard of a question that is for me. So I want to kind of get into that today. And I figured this was a good one to talk about while Jonah was at work, because he knows this story. He lived this story with me. We've been married for almost eight years. We've been together almost 10. And that was kind of really when I was going through a lot of this. I don't cook anymore because when I was 21, I was diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis, uh, which is an autoimmune disorder where my immune system doesn't know that my joints are not a foreign invader. So basically, when my immune system starts acting up, it degrades my joints. When I was in high school, I would have these weird days where it was like I was in so much pain and I would get sick and I would miss work or I would miss school. And it was just like so bizarre. And I would have these like flu-like symptoms and figured, you know, I'm just exhausted. I was leaving for school at like 6.30 in the morning and getting home from work around midnight. So I figured I'm not sleeping enough. I'm not eating enough. I'm just not doing well. Uh, It wouldn't be until, like I said, until I was 21 that we would figure out what was going on. Um, I think it was actually my mom who said, hey, why don't you ask your doctor to test your blood for autoimmune? You know, we have at least one family member who is diagnosed, like it can be hereditary, but like something's not right. And after doing the testing, I actually got a call from uh, my doctor when I was working. Um, I had been at a desk job at the time. And they basically said, hey, like your blood results came back and yeah, you're, you're autoimmune. We need to get you to a rheumatologist. We need to get you on medication. 
And I remember that day, um, I, I cried when I got the news because it was really validating, but it was also so scary. Um, I was fortunate enough that my managers were like, hey, take the rest of the day, go figure out your stuff. Like you're totally good, which was really great. Uh, but it was, it was a big change because when you are really sick and you don't know why you're really sick, that's a very stressful position to be in. So once I got my diagnosis, I started seeing a rheumatologist and the medications at first really weren't keeping up with the disease. And so I tried them. I was like, well, I don't know. I'll be fine. And I kind of bounced in and out of the industry uh, over the years. Um, Sometimes I was doing really good. I was really healthy. I could work with my hands, which is the biggest thing is now (laughs) at 27, uh, my hands are about 15 years older than the rest of my body because of how much I've used them. They have done ultrasounds and they've done x-rays of my hands. And it's pretty likely that I will have to have carpal tunnel surgery here pretty soon. And that, you know, if you've seen pictures of rheumatoid arthritis, like the claw hand, I'm really on track for that. (laughs) And so, as you can imagine, working in restaurants and handling a knife and doing all of those intricate things um, just doesn't work very well with that. Years of trying different medications and going back in and out of the industry, it finally, uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic, I was involved in a project and I got really, really sick. I was sick for three months. Um, I went to the emergency room at one point. They believed that I had had COVID, but it was before COVID testing was even available. Um, When I initially got sick, by the time I had ended up in the ER, they had an idea of what was going on. Um, Fortunately, I was able to be sent home. They did give me, I can't think of what it's called. It's a, it's like a breathing machine where you breathe steroids. And I was basically bound to the bed or the couch uh, for about three months. And I got to tell you, man, that, that depression is, is a different level of depression of just feeling like You know, not only did I have to give up this project that I was really passionate about, but I also, I can't get up. I can't breathe. My joints are on fire. Um, I developed muscle spasms. I developed a swelling in the lymph nodes that they still haven't diagnosed 100%, which is super weird. Um, I've actually had to have surgery and biopsies of my lymph nodes because of it. And they also, through blood work and testing with my rheumatologist, diagnosed me with uh, fibromyalgia, uh, which is a nerve condition and a blood clotting disorder. So it was like so great. I just kept getting like more and more cool terms at me thrown at me. In addition to that, my kidneys started acting up. So, um, shout out to any young people who've had kidney stones. They suck. Shout out to all the older people who have had kidney stones. They suck. You just don't, you just don't expect that to happen to you. And then it does. And you're like, oh my God, am I dying? It's just such a big bummer. So after going through all of that, um, in the last, I'd say, year since the world has been open again, I've had a lot of people ask me, um, you know, when are you going to get back to it? You know, when are you going to get back into it? And I know it's such an innocent question. I know that people ask because they care or they think that it's, it's a talent or a skill that I have. But the realistic answer is I'm not. 
And that takes a lot for me to admit now because I think I tied a lot of my identity to cooking for a very long time. And I think that was really toxic for me. I think from the time I was very little, like kid little, I wanted to be acknowledged by people. I wanted to be on stage. I wanted people to see the things that I could do. And I think cooking gave me a platform for that in a different way. A specific memory that comes to mind is when I signed up for this high school culinary program. It was like a pretty serious program. And I remember going to like a pre-orientation thing with my dad. And they were like, so your kid's not going to be the next Food Network star. They're not going to be famous. They're probably not going to win a James Beard Award. We're just going to teach them how to work in restaurants. And I remember we left that and all I could think was, yeah, right. I am. I'm going to win all those awards. I'm going to be, you know, the big famous person that comes out of this. Like, I can do that. And um, at the time, I did really push for it. I worked really hard. And I, like I had mentioned before, I had won my scholarship, which was through a cooking competition that I participated in both years. Um, Top of my class when I did go to college, like I wanted this. I wanted it so bad. To the point I graduated early from culinary school and I took a job at Starbucks, which is kind of random, but I had enjoyed what I was doing so much in school that I was like, oh, I'll go to Starbucks and I'll get my bachelor's degree and I'll become a teacher and I'll teach culinary and like that'll be my thing now. And then of course the diagnosis comes around and it's like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to just get a job to survive. And around that same time, Jonah and I had just gotten married. And when you get married at 19, you don't realize how much things cost or how the world works. Uh, So we were trying to figure that out and make enough money. And in kitchens at the time, I want to say when I started working 10 years ago, a little over 10 years ago, I was making $8.50 an hour. And we were like, shocked at the idea of spending $700 a month on an apartment. That was just crazy to us, Um, which is so funny to think about now. But, you know, we kind of had that realization of like, oh, like, you know, this may not be sustainable, but I think I had a really hard time letting it go. I didn't ever want to fully let go because I had let cooking and working in food and beverage become a big part of my personality. Like, it's my license plate. That's how big of a <laughs> how big of my personality it had really taken over. And I tied my value as a person to my ability to work in restaurants. Um, and when you have an autoimmune disorder or an illness or anything come up in your life that knocks you down from that thing that you're so deeply tied to, um, it's you have to grieve that part of yourself. Like that little bit dies. And that was something that I didn't really know how to handle. And I don't know that I fully did handle it um, until 2020, which is so crazy to think about. Um, I almost had to fully divorce myself from it and figure out who I was as a person outside of what I could do. And I think one of the things that makes that so hard was when people would ask, oh, you know, like, when are you going to open your restaurant? When are you going to do this? Like, oh, you have this gift. Like, God has blessed you so much, blah, blah, blah. Um, Those things are really hard to hear when you realize you can't do those things anymore. 
And I think that those things are also really hard to hear when you think about how many hours you've put in. Because it's not just, oh, you're gifted. Oh, you're blessed. No, I worked really hard to earn, you know, my spot in culinary school or, you know, this job or that opportunity. It wasn't, it was never handed to me. And in fact, I think back to like the first week of culinary school where they had us do knife cuts. Um, it was tragic. It was so bad. <laughs> and I, I thought I was going to be so great. I was going to walk in there because I had cooked at home, you know, since I was like 10 years old. And you walk in and you realize, oh, crap, like holding a knife the right way and cutting carrots for four hours. This is terrible. Or when I when I had my first restaurant job at a fine dining place, um, I think I got that job two weeks before I turned 16. We were slicing baguette and somebody let me borrow their knife. And by the time I was done, I had rubbed a callus or a whole chunk of skin actually off of my hand that was about the size of a quarter. I might have that picture somewhere, actually. It was really gross and it was really painful. And I think it took like a week and a half to heal. And it was just like, it was hard work and you had to really throw yourself all into it to to meet that level of at least for me, what felt was like enough commitment. Um, I think I tend to have an obsessive personality when it comes to stuff that like that. I'm like very competitive and I don't like to be told I can't do things, which I think is that other part of trying to divorce myself from cooking being my whole personality was the doctors did say like, hey, like long term, like what you're doing is not actually going to be like super great for your body. And that's a tough pill to swallow. So I think now, because that's really where we're at, is doing this podcast has become a really good outlet for me because as much as I have divorced myself from the ability to work in restaurants and to cook professionally and to win all these awards that I thought I was going to win and I was going to have you know, my James Beard and my Michelin star and, you know, all of these big lofty goals that I think when you're young, that's all you can see is this like bright future. Um, But in reality, like there's going to be hurdles and there's going to be struggle and things don't always go your way. That now I'm at the point where I still, I love learning about food. I love eating food, obviously, spending all of my money on food which is our whole thing, that I can have that as a hobby and I can have that as a part of my life, but it doesn't have to be Courtney as a person. I think when I finally, when that clicked for me, uh, my mental health shifted so much because like I said, like it was my whole personality. Like I had really put all of my value and my self-worth and my, what I thought people wanted from me and I think that's a big one for me. I, I really care a lot. <laughs> Something I'm working on. I really care a lot about what, how others perceive me and my abilities and my talents. And so giving up that one thing that I had spent so much time on and have worked so hard for um, was devastating. It was so painful. But now on the other side of that, being able to you know, travel and eat good food and talk to amazing chefs. Um, 
work, still get to volunteer with some really incredible organizations. Um, I actually got to go last night to the Arizona Women in Food event as a volunteer and get to spend time around so many other amazing, talented people, people who have worked their asses off to get to where they are. It's just, it's so inspiring. And I feel like I got a little piece of myself back from getting to have those experiences without totally damaging my body. One of the other reasons that I that this <laughs> this topic is good, I think, for this week is I found out um, about a week ago that the the new medication my doctor wants me to try because my uh, my disease, my rheumatoid arthritis, is has gone from just like moderate to moderate to severe, which is like pretty great. Like obviously, I'm always overachieving. <laughs> Uh, basically that medication is, uh, $6,700 a month. And, you know, to be able to use that in conjunction with the medications I'm already taking, it was like my doctor's goal. And obviously, obviously we, (laughs) we can't afford that. And it's just, it's another reminder, you know, that like I can have this passion and I can love this thing, but it doesn't mean it's for me anymore. It doesn't mean I can do it anymore. And I'm at peace with that now. I'm good with that. I love cooking at home. I love, love, love having people over, feeding people. Like that's probably my favorite thing. And I also realize that like, yeah, that's as good as it gets for me. Like I I had a really fun opportunity getting to teach a cooking class for kids. And I hope that there's a way to kind of facilitate that in the future for more people, because I think the joy in cooking and creating something that is art that you get to consume to nourish your body and that you get to bring other people joy with is so important and so impactful. And I think that a lot of times when you do that on a smaller scale, it's not appreciated as much. It's not looked at the same way especially for people who have been on both sides of in the industry or out of the industry or any combination of the two, it matters. And I think learning that lesson and getting to the point where I can get up every day and, you know, go do whatever job I have at the time. Cause <laughs> unfortunately when you have an autoimmune disorder, you are very susceptible to illness and Jobs don't keep you around so much if you have to call out because you're sick often. Don't ask to see a copy of my resume. I've done (laughs) I've done a few different jobs. And I had a lot of shame around that for a really long time. Even speaking publicly about being immunocompromised for a long time was really shameful because it was like it somehow made me less because I was weak, because my body was weak. And I just don't want to like live in that place anymore. Like I just, I think I deserve better. I think other people who have similar struggles or even the same struggle, like we deserve better. If you're doing a career or a job that isn't serving you emotionally or physically or mentally, it is okay to give that up and it doesn't change your value as a person. And you can still have these passions and enjoy the things you enjoy and go do a totally different job and just make money. And I'm not just saying that to self, to self comfort 
But because it's the truth, it's the reality. We all have to do and make hard choices to survive. But in reality, right, like we should be doing things that protect our peace and protect our well-being and take care of ourselves. So that's pretty much what I had today. I just thought, you know, it's something that means a lot to me and it's something that I think about a lot. It like it this is one of those things where it's like you lay in bed and you like monologue about it because you <laughs> you me, I I had a different vision for where I would be now. But I am so grateful for all of the experiences and the opportunities and all the mentorship that I have had in the industry and that I hope to have as we continue with whatever this podcast ends up being or whatever the um, the website ends up being or, you know, whatever these connections that we are, that we build from just doing this. Like, even if it doesn't turn out to be this, oh, this big thing, it's just, everybody knows love, food, hate, money. I think for me, it's my it's my lifeline. It's my connection to my past, my present, and my future. And I'm really lucky to have um, Jonah be a part of this with me to support me in this. I it blows my mind, honestly, like how amazing he has been and the things that he has accomplished in the industry. Um, as of when this is going to be released, he will have taken his level one sommelier test. The day before, and I have no doubt in my mind that he will pass it. And then I have to kick his butt until he signs up for level two so that we can officially call him a sommelier. And I'm just really grateful for uh, my friends and the people in my community who have continued to lift me up throughout all this, like my close friends who have known you know, about my autoimmune disorder or about, you know, my struggles with wanting to have this career so bad and do all these things so bad. Um, And the encouragement that they've provided me and my family um, has just really been incredible. Um, And I'm just really excited about what's in store for the future and getting to this place of healing, even (laughs) even if my physical health isn't quite there or it may never be and that's you know that's the reality that's real life (sighs) I don't have Jonah to make a funny quip to send us into the outro which is really awkward and now I'm really regretting (laughs) this but um I hope that this this was impactful I hope that this reaches you wherever you're at whether you work in the industry, whether you don't work in the industry, whether you're struggling with your own career choices or your job or wherever you're at, like, man, I get ya. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Love, Food, Hate, Money. This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feather Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. You can connect with us on Instagram at Love, Food, Hate, Money. We're also on TikTok a little bit more frequently now. And we're hoping to be on YouTube very soon once we move into our new place at the end of March. And uh, you can also email us, hello at lovefoodhatemoney.com. Thank you for listening. Bye. I made a mess.